We've got Mark Goulston, our game Repeat or Delete, and it's crush time with Happen today on It's Complicated. You're listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli, coming to you live from the AfterBuzz TV studios in Los Angeles, California. Welcome back to another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. We're singing. I'm Lauren. And I'm Jen. And today, our drink of the day is <laughs> Recorder League pear cider because we consider ourselves a sweet pair of checks and our <laughs> guest is uh tonight is a doctor and expert in helping couples remain in pairs see what we did there so we're cheersing to couples of all kinds and a cute play on our witty little words oh yeah and guys today our episode of It's Complicated is brought to you by The Great Love Debate with Brian Howie, oh. the world's number one dating and relationship podcast. Now go to greatlovedebate.com to check out their live tour schedule and subscribe to hear all of your favorite celebrities dish on life and, and love. love. And guys, as we mentioned, today we've got Mark Wollston in the studio. Dr. Mark is the author of seven books with his latest book, Talking to Crazy, oh, no. <laughs> being featured on Oprah's Book Club. And it was also a finalist in the Audible Oscar Awards last year. I mean, that sounds legit. Um, his first book, Get Out of Your Own Way, was first published in 1996, and it's been on the top 10 self-help books on Amazon for the last 10 years. And it's found its way into get a load of this, prisons and jails. And because of that, he, Mark, has received like hundreds of letters from inmates and he reads each one of these letters and responds to it on his highly rated podcast, also on Great Love Media, <gasps> called Prison Letters with Dr. Mark Goulston. And uh, this podcast is live as well. Wow. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting topic. Yeah. Guys, he's also regarded as one of the world's top experts on empathic listening with his book called Just Listen, becoming the top book on listening in the world, actually. Just the small world yeah. of all the people and Just stuff. Just all of that. Yeah. Um, and he recently returned from Moscow where he was hired to do a one-day training for members of the Russian government on listening and empathy. Wow. Like, don't be KGB anymore. Like, I don't even know. But I don't know like, how that works. There's obviously a connection. And regarding relationships in the 1980s, uh, Dr. Mark was also the world's authority, again, the world's authority on helping divorced couples get back together, remarry, and live happily ever after. I want to talk to him about that because, mm -hmm. you know, anyway, he calls this recoupling therapy. And he was also featured on Oprah with this. New York uh, Times, LA Oprah. Times, and many more outlets. But let's Oprah. I mean, really. Yeah, you had me at Oprah. It's yeah. like she's the end all be all. Forget yeah. the other Audible Awards and all yeah. that. I mean, who cares about the Russian government? Oprah. Like, yeah, Oprah. Hello. Hello. Anyway, she should be president. No yeah. big deal. Um, guys, if this wasn't enough. That's actually a really good idea. Thank you. That was my one of the day. Okay. Uh, so Mark is also a partner and chief education officer of the POP Protocol, which stands for a pullover protocol. And it's all about working with the L.A. Sheriff's Department, providing training to at-risk high school students on what to do at a traffic stop yeah. to prevent getting shot. I mean, this is, like, very topical. Totally is. And, guys, you know, he's also advised the prosecution in the O.J. Simpson criminal trial. He's just doing it all. So just that, too. So we're going to get Mark in here, and uh, we are going to talk to him about how you know if you're talking to crazy, whether he thinks relationship without, well, I guess it's empathy. 
how would you say it's like empathetic listening, but I, he calls it and and that is something am i saying this oh wrong? i know it's empathetic it's empathetic but i want to know like specifically what exactly that means because i mean i know i think i know what it means but like anyway when you're in a fight it's hard to do that and i need to know like what's going on yeah right okay so uh we're going to talk to him about if your relationship lacks that if it's like destined for disaster because i i think it might be but maybe not and then also we really do need to talk to him about like getting these divorced couples back together like what about that mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and uh we also need to know if if we are getting in our own way and if we can get out of our own way and how that can help us have a lasting loving relationship are we in our own way i don't know i just feel like we might be and you we don't even know if you don't know if you are no but uh, you do if you're aware and i think we're all going to become a little bit more aware <sighs> tonight so. with mark but before we get there we're going to fill you in on what we've been up to this last week oh my air god our dirty laundry hello so i was just in new york for five days yeah um i was there from wednesday to sunday i saw my oldest best friends i mean they're not old but we have been friends the longest time um so I, one of them I've been best friends with since I was 12 and the other one 14 and we all had dinner together and then the next night we had dinner with like another girlfriend who lives in New York um, and it was just great bringing all my people together mm-hmm. and it was super natural and one of the best things we did together while sitting and having a leisurely dinner and drinking all the wine was go through each other's dating profiles. Oh boy. And so it turns out so my friend Brian is in a relationship and then there was me and then there was like the two girls. But he was going through the profiles with you yes. because he so he was, and I were yeah. the judges. Oh. And so we basically ripped them both a new one. We went through every photo and we're like, okay, so you really want to come off as potentially like uh, you're just a marathon runner. You don't wear makeup. You wear a cape. And like you make a weird face with some random dude who no one knows what that is. Yeah, like, that's not good. Right. Uh, and then the next one is you're looking off into the side and there's like a Snapchat caption that says like somebody likes to eat soup in 103 degree weather but like you can't see you and who cares about the soup and it's not actually funny unless you were there so right, that might just be something funny to put in your profile like i like to eat soup in 100 plus sure. degree weather but with that the picture it was just not. all yeah. we were one was like a selfie in the mirror and we all know how i hate that and it was like we were just going to town so we were sitting there replacing photos with other photos and we were rewriting bios and it was like the funniest thing to do ever i was like this has to be a drinking game totally like, so fuck jerry created a game called like what do you meme Oh. And you have to, like, it's kind of like Cards Against Humanity, but you create, like, what the meme is. Mm -hmm. So I think there, we need to maybe create a game that's, like, dating app profile drinking game, and you make fun of people's profiles. That's fun. And also, you had, like, a big thing happen. Sure. I went to uh, my best friend's wedding. I was a maid of honor. There were two of us, me and then the matron of honor, because she's married. Yeah. I hate that. It's like, you feel, it sounds sounds like you're old. Oh, there they are. Oh, yeah. So that's me in the back, because I'm just always there. Yeah. And I introduced them which is great and yes. i happened to give a great speech i was so nervous oh that is nerve i've never done that before in my life i wrote it and i was like was so busy i couldn't really like finish it so then i outsourced that to like a friend i was like please review this and make sure this makes sense yeah. and so she sort of like put it in the right order and like added a couple lines that i would normally say that's good and made it like perfect so good. i was like great that was good teamwork so i delivered it i, I was supposed to go second I ended oh. up going last. Oh, hey. And I was like, oh, God, 
this is going to be awful. I was shaking. My hand was like a mile a minute. Like it was really bad. Did you have like a million drinks before? Yeah. And guess who didn't get drunk that night? This one. Because you were like so. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't sleep all week. I was so nervous about just every single part of this. So um, I gave the speech and like got a standing ovation. That's amazing. It was like almost like I could have like ran through the aisles and like high fived everyone as though I just went through like a sporting event or came off the stage of like my World Series. Yeah, exactly. So I totally did. And I mean, even the wait staff came up to me and was like, wow, that was the best speech we've heard like in a really long time and we hear a lot of speeches at I'm weddings. sure they that's what they do yeah and so it was funny I actually made a joke about my ex-boyfriend because if we didn't date they wouldn't have met and right so I like, kind of poked fun at that and too bad because his uh current girlfriend wasn't thrilled with that joke and like pulled me aside the next day and made it real awkward and crazy and oh boy note to everyone who's now the current relationship for someone don't show your crazy cards stay on your perch because this girl was like so insecure i'm like you realize the speech was not about you i didn't even say your name i actually didn't even insult him i didn't say he's still in love with me i did nothing to you yeah and yet you just took me aside everyone saw you take me aside oh boy and now you're the crazy person oh boy so yeah that happened so it's actually not my dirty laundry that was her dirty oh my god yeah she aired it it sounds like sure did uh well i moved all of my life to a different location (laughs) and moving is not fun but it's you know you know you learn to let things go and it's just stuff and it's it's exciting to be like starting this new chapter in my life I'm not saying that it's not it's just I you know it was a lot of change and I am just dealing with the change as it's coming and it's totally great and it's also really making me amp up my neurotic organizational skills like are in full play right now. Like I you have to get think creative, right? about organizing closets while I'm not in front of the closet. It's funny. And I'm really excited that the holidays are happening like they're here. They are here. Thanksgiving is so close and I'm already doing my stomach stretches <laughs> for the stuffing. Lovely. I'm so excited. Um, it is around the corner. So, guys, yeah, because, you know, it's a sensitive time for some people. There's relationships. There's cuffing season. We need to talk. Yeah, we do. Uh, you asked and we listened. This week's question comes from our favorite fan, Ashley from Boston. Mm-hmm. She said she recently started dating this guy and he told her that he suffers from anxiety and depression. And she said she never would have guessed because he seems like such a happy person. She's never been with anyone that has had mental health issues and she really likes him and could see this going into like a long lasting relationship. Mm-hmm. And he says he sees his therapist and takes antidepressants so she knows he's proactive about getting better. Yeah. Um, but what she asks is, is it bad that she's not sure how to handle him telling her this what should she do i don't think it's bad that she's not sure how to handle it i think it's fine that you process how to handle this because you're going to think about all the options how is this going to affect us is this going to affect me i personally think there's a couple things to pay attention to he's a telling you about it so he's obviously aware of this thing and that's a good thing to be self-aware and he's also doing something about it and being treated and some people have different varying degrees of how severe this sort of disorder or disease affects them how who knows on the spectrum where he lies but those two things are good character character uh, things you know that, that makes him a good dude so far i think i the thing is is that i don't know that you want to then judge the future of your relationship based on this i think there are things to think about but i don't think that you can make it an issue unless it is an issue for you so it's not something if you're just thinking about the things to think about them then great but don't try and control the future outcome based on what you think is or isn't going to happen 
because you don't know until you try. And guess what? Every motherfucking relationship in person reveals something, whether it's they're depressed or they're an alcoholic or they have a crazy ex or they had a past running with the law something always comes up so it's kind of nice that you Ashley that you know right now that's my opinion I agree also I do think that like people have the ability to deal with what they can deal with so if mental health is not something you can deal with and you would rather deal with somebody that's a smoker you know totally you might want to pick a different poison at this point it's your threshold I think you know you're entitled to feel how you feel about it and you just proceed with yeah, totally. if you caution know, for yeah. yourself. Yeah, if you know, like, that's something I've dealt with before, right. or I know I'm not going to be good in this thing, then move on. Right, exactly. Um, so, guys, we're going to quickly move on to possibly our dating app. I mean, yeah, I think that we are kind of excited about this new uh, gamification aspect of uh, Happen. Yeah. Because Happen already was pretty interesting. Like, you walk by some people and your app, like, alerts you that, like, you like the same coffee shop. So, like, it basically pulls people from your geo location and that's how you see um, profiles. Uh, But what they added was this thing called crush time. So, you know if the person that you've crossed paths with likes you in your profile. Mm -hmm. And it's an extra added layer of, like... Oh, not only are we going to the same place, but they also noticed me and they liked my shiz. And so now we're like talking. On oh, the yeah. App. So it gives you four potential people that liked you. And if you guess the right one who actually liked you, it like reveals the match. And that's how this all proceeds. So it's essentially rolling the dice. Like you have to guess who likes you. And that's the guessing game part, which is gamification. But then also it, you can still speak with the people that, um, that are coming up as the four, I believe. I yeah. believe that's part of it. But you can it's still like, match with the other. Yeah, ones, you can but... still. It's not like they're out of the running. It's no. just that that is more like, oh my gosh, you. It's like ding ding. You both, you picked him, guessing that he or her it's like a like super you. match, if you will. Oh yeah, I guess I didn't think about it like that. Well, everything's better when it's super, super. And you know what else is super? <gasps> Could it be our guest? It's our guest that just came into the studio. Well, hello. Doctor, should we call you Dr. Mark or do you just like Mark? What's your preference? Mark is fine. So okay, great. So but what did I get in the middle of? What were you talking we about? We were talking about a dating app. Yes. The yes. latest feature in an app that already existed. Because, you know, they all kind of got to, you know, stay popular somehow. So they've got to have the next thing that yeah. someone else didn't have. So this particular app is Happen. And they added a feature called Crush Time. They're just, like, it's another level of, like, how to get, like, a specific type of match because they're all trying to, like, be slightly different or one ahead of the other. What do you think about dating apps? Well, it's it's above my pay grade and below my generation grade. Yeah. No, no, I th- look, I think they're good. People are real busy. Yeah. And so, and look, people are more connected to their phones than they are uh, uh, to other people. In fact, I, I have to share something. A friend of mine... Uh, th- 20 years ago, someone from South America uh, came, was, came and visited Manhattan. I was there, and I said, what do you think about Manhattan? And he said, they don't see the sky because of the skyscrapers. And the person came back uh, a couple years ago, and I said, so what do you think about Manhattan now? He said, they don't see each other because <laughs> they're all on the front. Interesting. It's true. Mm-hmm. It, it is true. true. So it works I was for- just there, actually, so yeah. I noticed that, too, as well. It works <laughs> for today to connect the busy lifestyles of today, but it also is disconnecting at the same time. It's funny. It's incredibly disconnecting. Yeah. You know, I, I, was, I was in Moscow. Uh, yes. I, I gave a talk to the Russian government about a month ago. 
Yes. And it was like, everybody warned me about it. It was the best trip I've ever been on. And Red Square, it was like being in Manhattan 20 or 30 years ago. People weren't on their phones like this. They were interacting with each other. And the audience was hungry to be able to relate to each other. I mean, I, I, I've never been so well greeted. Really? And, uh, oh, really? And listened to. And then what happened is I, I think when I came back, what I saw is that a capitalism, which we're all you know, victims of, has corrupted relatedness because people listen, at least in big cities like L.A. and New York and Chicago, people listen for what I can get from it. Whereas in, oh. in Russia, it was... they. They, it's almost like they were freed from the tyranny of Stalin and everything, and they wanted to relate to each other better, so they just wanted better ways to, to connect. Do it's yeah. quite a cold place, isn't it? Like, just generally, like, person to person, their interpersonal and weather. skills. Well, yes, also <laughs> that, too. No, you know, people warned me. They said, don't smile in Russia because they don't smile. And so, so actually, when I started my, uh, my talk, I said, you know, I was warned that you people don't smile. But what I figured out, you don't smile, and you don't like Americans who smile because you don't Trust us yet. When someone's smiling like this, you think they're trying to manipulate you, which they are. Oh. And so, you, so until people earn your trust and then you have confidence they can help you, you don't smile. And then if I can do that, we're going to drink vodka. You're going to drink me under the table. And, and you three in the front row are going to carry me back to the hotel. And the bond is stronger because it's, it's based on some foundation of trust, whereas the other one, the other smile initially feels a little inauthentic. Oh, yeah. And it feels like when you're smiling, it feels like you're trying to maneuver or manipulate them. However, it does seem like people in general are guilty until proven innocent in their eyes. Because if you have to earn their trust... You're essentially not trustworthy until you are. Right. But I don't know that it's, well, uh, maybe this is just me. I think I'm a little more optimistic than pessimistic. So maybe this is my interpretation of that. But not trusting somebody would be like on the more pessimistic end of the spectrum. It's more just like I need to know more about if you're trustworthy or not. Not that you're one or the other, but which one are you? Yeah, I mean, isn't that true? Uh, when you're dating, you know, you're going through everything, but you're trying to figure out, you know, can I trust this person? Is this person a player? What can I expect from them? What can they expect from me? So, you know, we just sort of do it with smiley face. <laughs> they're, they're just straightforward. And then I said, so is that why you don't smile? And they said, no, we don't smile because it's freaking cold yeah. here. <laughs> no, really, they, they said that. They said it that. was that easy. Well, there goes all of our theories. So. I mean, yeah. I Yeah. Okay. So now when you were studying to become a doctor, you went into psychiatry. Mm -hmm. How did that, how did you initially, did you always know you were going into that or were you sort of like, I'm going to see where the medicine world takes me? Well, actually I, I went to medical school and I actually hit a crisis. And in fact, one of my greatest personal accomplishments is I dropped out of medical school twice and finished. Wow. And I don't know anyone who's done that. And the second time I dropped out, they wanted to kick me out because they were losing money, even though I was passing. And so they wanted to kick me out, and I was kind of broken down. And, uh, and, and I came from a background, depression-age parent. You're, you're kind of worth what you produce. So I reached this low level where I couldn't produce anything. And so what happened is I met with the head of the school who was about fundraising, and I don't even remember the meeting, and he wanted to kick me out. And then I got a call from the dean of students who cares about students. Mm -hmm. And he called me in. And so I was broken down. And he, uh, uh, and he said, you've got to read this letter from the dean. And it basically said, I'm advising that Mark be asked to withdraw because they couldn't kick me out. And I said, what does this mean? And he said, you, uh, he had a, a Bostonian accent. Said, Mark, you've been kicked out. Oh, my gosh. And, and what happened, I think a miracle happened, which is why I wrote Just Listen, 
because I sort of fell apart. And so imagine you fall apart and you think you're broken and you're not worth anything because you can't produce anything. So imagine hearing this. He said, Mark, uh, you didn't screw up because you're passing, but you are screwed up. Hmm. But if you get unscrewed up, I think the school would be glad they gave you another chance. And then imagine hearing this when you feel you're not worth anything. He says, and even if you don't get unscrewed up, even if you don't become a doctor, even if you don't do anything with the rest of your life, I'd be proud to know you because you have goodness in you and you have no idea how much the world needs that goodness. And you won't know it till you're 35, but you have to make it till you're 35 and you deserve to be on this planet. Wow. And you're going to let me help you. It flipped the switch. Wow. And I went from sort of a cynical, defensive person. It flipped a switch. And so my personal mission is healing the world one conversation at a time because he did it to with you. me. Mm -hmm. And then I became a suicide specialist. So multiple attempters, none of them killed themselves. Wow. Really? Like, that's your record? Is that, guess, a, uh, is that a thing, like a record? Well, I, I don't do it anymore, but uh, can we go into this a little bit? Yeah. Even I'm like, well, tell us about that. I mean, it's obviously we know that we talk about dating relationships on the show, but I'm sure a lot of people have issues with mood and depression and all of that has to do with relationships. Actually, someone this weekend, I was at a wedding. Of course, that brings out all kinds of crazy emotions because you just look at what you don't have um, if you are in that position. If you're in that position. Uh, and that's your view of the world. But this person came up to me and said, she's like, I'm really close to just like ending it all. Like, I just have nothing at this point. Every I, like and everything wow. she said and saw was so negative and I would try my best to spin it. And it was like work. I was like e exhausted by having to spin the conversation and be like, well, was it relationship related or all, all? the whole time? It was like, well, I'm never going to have that. I'm like, but what if you will have it? And this is just a great example of what's to come. Or maybe someone here knows someone to set you up with because... And she kept going, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but. Yes, exactly. But. So, here, no, so here's the intervention. <laughs> yeah. It'll happen to you. And if, and if people are watching you're listening and someone's yes, butting you, which uh, this is Monday morning, Monday evening quarterbacking or Tuesday, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, but what you'll say the next time is if no matter what you say to make them feel better doesn't work... What you'll say is, you're really doing a good job, which they don't get. You're really doing a good job of helping me to feel what it's like to feel like you and that nothing will work. Mm. And it feels bad. And I'm sorry you feel that way. Is that your empathetic listening? Well, it's actually, the, for the suicidal, it was even much more. Okay. So, so if I can throw this at you. So everything changed, but I learned this because this guy went in and flipped the switch on me. And so everything changed, actually. This is an unusual show for you, but we're, we're into it anyway. It's not at all. Okay, so, so, so imagine this. Everything's complicated, so yes. this fits. No, this is, well, this is yeah. simplifying what's complicated. So I remember I was seeing uh, a, someone who had tried suicide three or four times before she'd seen me. She'd been in the hospital several times before she'd seen me, and I didn't think I was helping her. And so I was moonlighting at a, uh, a psychiatric hospital, meaning I was covering for the weekends, and sometimes you're up 36 hours. And so you'll get wigged out when you're up that much. Mm -hmm. And so I saw, we'll call her Nancy, Monday morning. And whenever she came in, if this is me and you're her, she'd be like this. And so she wasn't catatonic. So what happened is because I was sleep deprived, I looked out and she's like this. 
and all the color in the room turned to black and white. So I'm looking out, and it's black and white, and I thought I'm having a seizure or a stroke. Yeah. And she's like this, and so I think I'm having a seizure or a stroke. So I, I'm a psychiatrist, not a psychologist, so I do a neurologic exam on myself, and I go like this. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's like this, and I realize I'm not having a seizure or a stroke, and it was black and white, and it got cold, and then I had this idea that I was looking out at the world through her eyes feeling her feelings. So because I was sleep deprived, what I said to her was, Nancy, I didn't know it was so bad and I can't help you kill yourself. But if you do, I will still think well of you. I'll miss you. And maybe I'll understand why you had to to get out of the pain. And I thought, I just gave her permission to do it. And that was the first time she looked at me. Oh, I'm Ever. sure. And she looked at me, and I thought she was going to say, thank you for letting me do it. And I said, what are you thinking, Nancy? And she looked at me, and she said, if you can really understand why I might have to kill myself to get out of this pain, maybe I won't need to. That's all that she wanted. And then she gave it up. And then this is what I started to do. And again, I saw people who were multiple tempters, and, and I'm not accepting clients. I teach people how to do this. I've retired as a doctor. But imagine if you're cynical and sarcastic and you've tried everything and nothing worked. And so at that point, I was able to look into her eyes like I'm looking into each of your eyes. And I said, you know, if it's okay with you, I'm not going to give you any advice or solutions or treatments because you're not going to follow them and you can come back and feel guilty. Would that be okay? She said, I'm listening. (laughs) And I said, what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to find you wherever you are and I'm going to keep you company there as long as it takes because you've been there at three in the morning and you got and being disappointed that you made it till seven and I don't want you to be there alone anymore. Is that okay? And you just started to cry. Of course. So the point is, and, and when I've talked, uh, I've gone around the country talking about suicidal thinking and people don't commit suicide because they're depressed because there's hundreds of millions of people who are depressed who don't kill themselves. Why then? They kill themselves from despair. And if you break the word despair into D-E-S-P-A-I-R, that oh. means feeling unpaired with hope, hopeless, unpaired with worth, worthless, meaningless, useless, pointless. And, and mm. uh, if you can pair with them in hell, uh, suffering, uh, pain is pain. Suffering is feeling alone. People can tolerate pain. They can't tolerate suffering. Okay. But if you can go in there and break the aloneness, suffering they can't live with becomes pain they can't. So just letting them know that you see their point of view or that. But that couldn't have happened to you every time, seeing the world sleep-deprived and wigging out, as you said, through black and white, through her eyes. Does that something that happened happen to you more than once how do you then let your patients know like i'm here with you i'm seeing this through your how eyes how do you empathize not- then with every person you know if let's just say the body didn't take over and you didn't see black and white like yeah. you know like what would a different situation call for then for you to become well, i'll tell you I, I, I'll, look, I'll do it here i'll do it with the two of you oh, right gosh. now <gasps> no 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 we're not As going we suicidal that, 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 that's yeah. offline that's offline. Yeah. You know, you know, and actually <laughs> yeah. and actually this book just listen yes top yes. book on listening in the world 18 languages and this is how do you help someone to feel felt okay. as opposed to understood so there's a difference to my listening to each of you and listening into you so i'm tracking back and forth with your eyes and so if i'm listening to you you're firing questions at me and i'm answering them but if i'm listening into both of you 
you're both probably thinking, this is a different interview than we usually have. This is different than some of the stuff we do, but this could actually help one of our listeners. Oh, for sure. And if this helps one of our listeners, it's really important because we care about our listeners. Yes, we're here to entertain, but if this helps one of our listeners to feel less alone and they make it through the night, that's better than entertainment. Is any of that accurate? It is, Um, and I will actually tie this back to dating and relationships because I think often people say things and then somebody doesn't hear them and they just respond because they are like, that's a good catchphrase for this scenario. And they're not saying something that's actually helping. What they're doing is making it worse. And so I do think that there are probably different things that you can say that actually relate to what the person just said. So it's like what you're saying about listening, but from like within. Yeah, like when you're single and you say things like, I just don't want to be alone or, you know, and people say, oh, no, enjoy being single. It's fun. Or they give you those cliched phrases that then just make you feel like more alone, like you don't get what I'm saying, because this feeling doesn't feel fun right now. I don't like being by myself. I don't like feeling like no one's ever going to love me. Or I mean, yeah, it comes down to the simple things like, what is it? Like, I'm not lovable. I'm not enough. Those things that so you... If you said, so if you either of you said that to me, what I'd say is, because uh, you're expecting me to reassure you because I'm in over my head. I don't know what to say. It's going to make you feel worse. And you're going to think, why did I even open up to this guy, or to this person, right? And so if instead you're saying that to me... What I would say, and you could say this to a friend. You don't have to be a therapist to do this. You could say, uh, at its worst, how bad does that get for you? Mm. At its worst. Tell me a story about you at your worst. And so we see what happens is when they retell the story, and here's another interesting thing. When someone tells you a story so clearly that you can see it, they re-feel the feelings. Oh, right. And so when they re-feel the feelings, which they were all alone in, and you say... Uh, uh, get, tell me about that. And then if you could say, what did you... And then also people feel known if you use what, what I talk about in Just Listen is FTD delivery. And FTD stands for feelings, thoughts, what'd you do? So when they're telling you that story, you can say, so what'd you, what'd you think when that happened? Whoa. What'd you feel? Well, what'd you do? Well, how did you make it through? But you see, any, anyone can learn these things. Yeah. And so, you know, again, part of my mission in life is healing the world one conversation at a time and teaching people to do that. And, uh, and if you're listening, you know, something or uh, watching, something I'd encourage you to do, if, you, if you're with a friend, uh, now because I'm a former therapist, I often feel people's pain. As you're talking to people, if you were to say to them, you know, I'm a little distracted and I'm picking up, it's either, either frustration, anger, disappointment, something near the surface. Which of those is it? Wait, those are all surface emotions. No, 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 no. Those are underneath the surface. Oh, so, so they but be... that person might have one of those three. So you're Everybody picking... has right. one of those things. Right. So are those the three you say, or that's because that person happened? To... Like, what if somebody is, like, sad versus well, and, frustrated? And, 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 well, what they'll say is, well, I'm not, I'm not frustrated, angry, or disappointed. I'm sad. Well, that's it. And then what I talk about in Just Listen, or what I call conversation deepeners, and, and so you'd say, yes, yeah, say more about the sad thing. And they'd say more about it. And then another conversation deepener would be to say, after they finish, really? Not really, but really. And they'd say, yeah, it's, it hurts all the time. And what will happen is if you can just stay there, what you'll see is you'll just watch the relief in them. Yeah. 
Yeah. You have time for another quick, quickie anecdote? Yes. I'm just already prescribing this book to people in relationships. Well, I'm thinking this also helps just to interject for a second, but this also helps when you're having a conversation with a partner. We're talking about like, for example, if you're single and you're talking to a friend about how that makes you feel. But what about when your partner does something that might upset you or has did, did something in the past and you're bringing it back to the table instead of like coming at somebody and being accusing because that makes people shut down right away if you were to say you know i really didn't like when you did that to me maybe why did you do that what are you feeling that made you do that or how did that make you feel because it made me feel this way might be a more effective way to bring emotions to the table instead of just being like you did this and making that person feel disconnected or alone where you're both talking about how you feel so if you're talking about a relationship let's say with a male yeah and they've done that so there's something. Uh, so imagine saying this to a male, and if I, and if you said this to me, I'd go whoa. So uh, if you'd said, uh, if you reached out to me, it's something I call assertive humility. And so what you'd say, if you were to say to me, uh, uh, Mark, I need your help. What? Uh, do you remember when you did A, B, and C? And you'd say it in a calm tone. Yeah, I'd be worried. And you could say, my respect for you took a hit. And you have no idea how much it hurts for me to lose respect for you because I like you. That's a great way to say it. And I need to get that back. I mean, if you, I could feel the chills in my skin. Yep. And that's something. And you just gave them to me too. Yeah, that's something I call the wince confrontation, which means you know when you're going to confront someone, instead of hitting them with your anger, you, you you wince with the pain that it caused you as opposed to the anger. And so, if you were to say that, you know, I, I need your help with something. What? When you did such and such, my regard for you, uh, it's kind of like a pigeon came in and just crapped all over this, <laughs> this, this person that I looked up on. Yeah. And it's not going to easily clean itself off. Right. And then it's sort of the balls in your court. Because nobody likes to be, everyone gets upset or offended by something somebody does potentially or not or whatever. But nobody likes to be told about that, like in a reprimanding way, like, you did this and I'm not doing that. Like, I, I hate when people do that to me. I'm like, A, I'm not your child, and B, I'm pretty sure, for me, it's the hypocrisy that comes into play. Because I'm like, oh, so you've never done that before? Ever in your life? Really? You've never been A, B, or C, and now you're coming hard on me? <laughs> like, you're the only, I'm the only person who's ever done that before? So, and, and I think you have to keep that in mind when you're coming at somebody with something that bothers you, because Again, it's all about being connected, I would think, and mm-hmm. connecting to say, like, I've been there before, or this is how I feel, and coming at it in that from that space just feels a more effective way to communicate, I would think. Friends, relationships, anything, really. Yeah, totally. Uh, uh, I blog all over the place, and I have a syndicated column at business journals, and uh, actually tomorrow... You know, I know these are evergreen shows, but tomorrow my next column is called Hashtag Me Too, What to Do When It Happens to You. Ooh. Okay, very hot topic right now. What to do at the first sign that someone's inappropriate. So I give some tips that I've gotten some from some women. I'll give you some. Yeah, what uh, are some tips? So, so what, one, what one woman said is uh, uh, the key is to be very calm. And uh, one of the tips in the article is um, what you did just cross the line and either uh, one or two things are going to happen. Either you're going to apologize to me and it's never going to happen again or I'm going to go speak to HR and my boss uh, and they'll deal with it. 
I heard another tip which didn't make the uh, uh, didn't didn't make the final copy, but it's terrific. Uh, this woman, and what I'm finding is nearly every woman has had someone be inappropriate with them. So, so what do you think that is because of? Like, why does someone feel it's okay to do that? Is it because the lack of like confidence in saying no? Like what you just said, somebody should say is coming from a confident person that feels empowered enough to say it. But I feel as though maybe people haven't said it in the past because they're like, well, um, it probably isn't that bad or like maybe I asked for it or whatever slew of excuses they come up with for why the action happened or I can't say anything because that person's this person. Like, why do you think that the person that actually does that feels it's okay to do it? Well, I can't say it's true in all the cases, but I think what happens is they re- they're reactivating a trauma they never got over, and what happens is they're like a deer in the headlights of a car, and they freeze, and so they're sort of like this, just like someone you know makes a joke to make light of something. A mm-hmm. lot of guys do that, and it really pisses women off. Uh, but it's kind of like when y- that gets reactivated, uh, you do anything to get through it, so you sort of minimize it because you're just trying to get uh, through it because you never got through the original trauma. Oh, so it's like a trigger. A trigger, and so you're just trying to get out of it, but you've never resolved the original kind of thing. So something else. Can I can I make a little plug for uh, of a course, book? Of course, go for it. Yes, okay, please. Okay, so the, here's a little interest in marketing 101. So I have a book called Talking to Crazy. Yes. Mm-hmm. How to deal with irrational people and impossible people in your life. It's on Kindle for a dollar ninety nine. Nice. This is a steal, guys. It's a steal this month, and it was uh, a finalist in the Audible Oscar Award last year and Oprah. But here's something about marketing. So this is talking to crazy. What happened is a lot of people uh, uh, said, I, I, I need that book, but when it came out, people said, I can't buy it. Why? Because if my girlfriend sees it, <laughs> they'll know it's about her, which it is. You if, just called yeah, me crazy. Yeah, if I'm a manager... They'll know it's about them. Yeah. And a lot of women will say, oh, this is, this is really anti-feminine. So uh, th- here's the Russian translation. Oh, my gosh. And the Russian translation is how to talk to assholes, and it has gone viral across Shut Russia. I'm sure. Uh, I would buy either of them, really. Yeah. yeah. But, no, but, I do but, like how to talk to assholes. Oh, yeah, also, no, you can just hide the book. <laughs> no, actually, what I told them is, you know, take off the flap and That's put, on what the, I said. put on the flap from just listen because no one gives a shit about listening. Or exactly. put on like Fifty Shades of Grey or something. Right, <laughs> and it makes more sense to everybody. Um, okay, so talking to crazy, can you tell us what um, inspired that and what people can learn from it? Okay, so just listen. There were two chapters that people were really tuned into. One was steer clear of toxic people. So I get a lot of uh, uh, attention to that. And then there's a chapter called How to Go from OF to OK. And OF is O, what do you, fudge. Yeah. Can, you can, say, can it. say it. Oh, fuck here. Yeah. And so what happens is it's how to talk yourself down when you get agitated. So that got the most attention. And so I wrote a whole book called Talking to Crazy, which is basically how do you disarm someone who's agitated, irrational. Uh, and, and really what it is is instead of going like this, you you, uh, you kind of let them finish and you lean into it. But here's the key, if you're listening. If you have any crazy people in your life who dri- drive you crazy, and this is not about mental illness. This is about people that drive you crazy. We could have said how to deal with the people that drive you crazy, but this is a better title. Totally, person. yes, agreed. You know, and so think of that person who drives you crazy. Here are the tips. Never expect them not to do it. Because that would be crazy. Right. Yeah. So, they are who so they are. always expect them, hold a little bit of yourself back. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't be Mitt Romney, but hold a little bit of yourself <laughs> back. And sorry, Mitt. Uh, but uh, uh, 
but then when they do that crazy thing, they're going to expect to provoke you because that's how they get the better of you. If they can get you off balance by provoking you, they go for the jugular. So when they do it, you can say, dang, there it is again. Let them finish. And then you lean into them, uh, let them finish, and they're going to feel awkward because it didn't get you off balance. And you might want to say something like, uh, uh, can you repeat that again? Because my mind wandered. <laughs> Well, okay, but why are I feel you like that saying makes somebody that? even crazier? Why are you saying that? What's the tactic behind that? Or, or, or you can look at them and because your mind did wander, like oh fuck, they're being fucking crazy yeah, again. Yeah. Or, 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 <laughs> you or, stop listening to somebody yeah, once they're like. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or you can say, or you can say, uh, can you say that in a normal voice? Because, no, <laughs> no, because you got me all ticked off. That's like telling somebody to calm down yeah. because they're not calm. No, they're no, not no, going to no, calm no, down. But, no, but the point is, <laughs> okay, here's another thing because I, I teach leadership uh, around the world. Uh, there's something about being, and this is one of the reasons Trump won and Hillary lost. There's something about being declarative versus explanatory. It was the Declaration of Independence. It wasn't the explanation of independence. Trump, was, <laughs> no, Trump, Trump was declarative. Sure. Hillary was explanatory. So when you're explaining, it's close to whining. But when you're declarative, what you're happens? And, and, and you're not doing it in a bullying way, but you're declaring something like, you want to run that by me in a normal voice because the way you said it got me all agitated and I couldn't listen. So do you, do you see the tone sure. of it? Sure, yeah. I think sometimes people might react how they react anyway. Because, I, exactly. And but then, I yeah. do think that if you can take at least, you know, control over yourself and your reaction, you've won half the battle at least. Exactly. You're halfway closer to a normal conversation yeah. with whoever that crazy person is. In because then you're not jumping on the crazy hamster wheel with them. Right. Yeah. And again, always know that always hold a part of yourself back. And if it was fine, then that's gravy. But if when they do it. They don't get you off balance, and you don't sort of smile like, you know, the cat who swallowed the canary. You let them finish, but you look them straight in the eye because you're on to them and very calmly, and you say... Uh, and they know it. Uh, you want to say that again, and you want to talk to me in a normal voice, or uh, uh, one of my favorite things is to uh, tilt your head and go, huh? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and be like, I need help and with then, that. And then what happens is when you watch them, they don't know what to do with it. It, it, like is, a fun it is difficult experiment. to have someone come to you and to like I had someone come to me to apologize to me and I know that I go down the empathetic path. I'm like, it's OK. It's OK. Don't like it's OK. I feel because I feel like if I were apologizing to somebody, I feel vulnerable in this situation. So I need to then let them know that it's OK because I know they're feeling feeling vulnerable. And I had someone give me great advice. My friend Stacy said, when this person comes up to apologize to you because they're going to and they did. Just look at them and say, I appreciate your apology. And it was very difficult for me not to go down my normal path, but I couldn't be empathetic because I was treated with such disrespect okay. that I had to just say I appreciated it and like just be very like just I was very normal. I wasn't like agitated or emotional. And they for sure looked at me like waiting for me to keep talking. And I it was a staring contest. I okay. just stared. So that was a B plus restaurant. I'll oh. give, I'll give, no, no, no. Here, no here, it was perfect. I appreciate your apology, but going forward, should it happen again? Yeah, that's good. Uh, what do I need to do to to nip it in the bud or stop it completely? Yeah. Because then I won't believe what you're saying now. Yeah. Well, it continued. So, but yes, it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a good start, and it was definitely like you talking about controlling your side of the 
the street keeping your side of the street clean, that is part of it, to not go down the crazy hamster wheel with somebody. And then you also quickly wrote a book to talk about before we play a fun game with you. You wrote a book called Get Out of Your Own Way. Mm-hmm. And that was then now appealing to people in the prison system that write you letters and this spawned your podcast. That's so tell right. us about that really quick. Uh, okay, so Get Out of Your Own Way was published in 1996. It's been in the top 10 self-help books at Amazon for the last 10 years. It's 22 years old. It's being released with a new cover. And it's found its way into prisons and jails, and I've gotten a couple hundred letters from inmates and so what happens, and the inmates are just reaching out with heart-wrenching things. And so uh, thank you for bringing that up. So I have something called the Prison Letters with Dr. Mark Goulston, and I read the letters from inmates, and then I just go, I, it, it's like I improvise empathically. So I'll, so I'll give you one example that I, I still remember, and the title of that one, if people want to check it out, it's, and, and it's at iTunes or Stitcher, is called Not Born, Not Born to Hate. So I read the letter, and I've read the letter before, but I never know what I'm going to do improvising with it. So imagine this. The person's really angry, and I don't know why I'm so angry. So I read the letter, and it's called Not Born to Hate. And so I pause, and after I read the letter, I say, I'm a newborn, and three hours ago, I was safe, warm, not hungry, and now I'm out in the world, and all I'm hearing is people yelling at each other. And it's cold, and they're yelling at each other. And I want to go back, but I can't go back. And then I talk about what that feels like. And then I say, oh, I'm two and a half months old. Oh, I'm making eye contact with my mom. Oh, what's she saying? Can you put the nipple in your fucking mouth? Yeah. Well, well, stop putting it in my eye already. <laughs> oh, 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 that's dad. Dad, oh, dad. oh, dad's walking over. What's she saying to him? Can you wake up in the middle of the night and feed this fucking thing? <laughs> Well, you know, this is not setting me off down the world of trust All and right, happiness right, and, right. You know, and how that can lead to being angry. So, so they're all kind of crazy like that. God, it's like you started from the very beginning. A lot of people ignore that aspect. Well, people get screwed up right from the start. They so do. It's a pretty mm-hmm. good place. God. Um, we're going to do quickly just a one line or two lines from our yes. quick game since we promoted it yes we want to call repeat or delete basically tell us what actions to repeat and which ones to because delete. a because lot of people say like oh yeah tr- you have if you don't succeed try try again and then some people are like but the definition of crazy is repeating something over and over again and expecting a different re- result which one is it so we're gonna like list three things and we want to s- you to say repeat if it's something you should try again or delete if it's like no don't do that let that one go um discussing an emotional trigger that exists in a romantic relationship repeat or delete uh, pick the time. You know, you got you to pick the right. There's a time for everything. Okay. You know, uh, but I, I would tee it up with assertive humility. And so if you say to someone, I need your help, and then you hit them with that, you can get it out. And then okay. delete. One time. Done. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, what about texting with a guy who asks for plans but moves slowly when setting a date? Um. How many chances do you give that guy? You repeat and keep talking to him, or do you just notice it right off the bat and delete? He's dragging his feet. Uh, I would I would delete. Same. I think so, too. Same. Yeah. Especially at this age. Talking oh, about timing, yeah. right? Okay. Ain't got time for that. And remind everyone where they can listen to your podcast and find you. Okay. Prison Letters with Dr. Mark Goulston at iTunes, Stitcher. I think there's some FM something or other, radio or something. Uh, well, sorry, FM radio. Uh, uh, but, <laughs> One of those old things. But, but you can find it there. Actually, entrepreneur.com just said, just uh, 
last week said 10 podcasts that will change the way you think. And number one was Prison Letters. Wow. Nice. Congratulations. Congratulations. That's amazing. And, and, then, and then tweet me at, at Mark Goulston. You can't spell it, but I'll spell it for you. M-A-R with a K, G-O-U-L-S-T-O-N. And then I have markgoulston.com and the, the Goulston Group. And one last thing, I'm the uh, part of something called the POP Protocol, yes. which is you're going to be hearing about. Uh, we're partnering with the Sheriff's Department, and it's what people should do so they don't get shot at a traffic stop. It's called pullover protocol, and we're about to blow it out through uh, the sheriff's department. And if it goes well, it'll be in the DMV booklet next week. Very important. Really important and changing. Changing, changing the world yep. here. One right. relationship at a time. Okay, And we're going to change your life, guys, next week when yes. we have our second interview with comedian Josh Wolf. Yes. So don't forget to don't forget to tune into that. And follow <laughs> us on all the socials at Complicated Show. And you can follow me at Lauren Leonelli on all the social meds. And you can follow me at Jennifer Golden on all of the social media platforms as well. Okay. We will see you next week. Love, Love you long time. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 